Are you ready to listen to my dad, Joe, and Uncle Justin talk about sports? Now on with the show. The Joe Mays and J-Raff Show is brought to you by Mays Sandwich Shop, which have been serving the greater Westlawn area delicious food for over 70 years. You are listening to The Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. Boring. A... <clears throat> weekly podcast about sports since 2011. Don't you ever get tired of being wrong all the time? With a focus on football. Kansas City 31, San Francisco 20. Mahomes takes the snap. He's just going to throw it long for Demarcus Robinson. And is going to use up all the time. The game is over. And the Chiefs kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. Kansas City Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 54. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting alongside me, thankfully... Is Mr. Justin Raffoff. It's uh it's been a week, man. It has been quite a week. Uh but yeah, glad glad to be here and uh things things rolling again. Glad so. you're still with us. <laughs> yeah. Disappointed that you couldn't be here last week. Yes, yeah. But yeah. I mean you still contribute to the show. As we were talking, that was a really good call on our part. Yeah. Like we we sometimes go out on limbs uh, and and make predictions. We do that lots on on our shows here, right. actually. Um, and last week we had to do one, you know, for something slightly different, um, regarding my health and just trying to not uh, do what's best for everyone. And uh, so well, decided so the predictions decided were accurate. Be, right. We made the good call. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Then it went downhill from yeah, there. Things, things got worse after yeah, Sunday night. It was, it was so. quite a ride for a good five days or so. But yeah. then uh, it, it's it's been better the last few. So um, yeah, we're we're back on track and hopefully uh, hopefully ready ready for spring to be here and uh, maybe maybe that'll help. There are seasonal allergies. A lot of easy jokes out there. They've been made in private. We won't put them out publicly. <laughs> but I mean, you can use your imagination. But uh, healthy enough to do the show. So that's that's positive. That's right. Now we we weren't here on this show last week, no. but we did have uh, quite the spectacular on the Bulldog yeah. Hour, and we got to welcome Chad Henney onto the show, the Bulldog Hour, for the first time, but with us for the third time. The first few times it was on this show, uh, and just the way the schedule worked out, it was a time for us to do a Wilson football podcast and. Well, we didn't really talk too much about the 2019 or 2020 teams, touched on it at the beginning, but dove headfirst into our discussion with Chad about his season with the Kansas City Chiefs, which I'm sure if you're listening to this show, you know, culminated with a Super Bowl victory, and we talked to him all about that, and we showed some awesome pictures that he uh, shared with us and allowed us to broadcast on the show, which was a lot of fun, and uh, I do... I showed I showed this to Justin before. I didn't get to mention it last week, but um, he brought back a program, That's passed awesome. that along, um, and I do have to thank uh, not only Chad for for bringing in and, and signing in and everything. It was really awesome the Super Bowl program, but um, my my dad talked to uh, his father in law about mm. it. Um, so I, I'd like to thank um, Mr. Hartman and, and my dad and, and Chad for getting that together and. <clears throat> and dropping that off for me because it's uh, obviously we'll go in the Wilson Football Archive for <laughs> yeah. for uh, you know preservation of history as I have an official Super Bowl Fifty Four again. I love the uh, coincidence of it being Super Bowl Fifty Four, and uh, you know an autographed uh, program from the event. So yeah, su- super cool. Awesome. Um, we'll add that to my uh, my collection behind me. So appreciate uh, everyone involved in that. And uh, we didn't get to mention last week uh, on the show, but I knew that we were going to have the opportunity to say something today because of the local event happening. But the main Penn State Dance Marathon was last weekend. Uh, You know, it was Friday through Sunday, 46 hours, uh, 6 o'clock Friday to 4 p.m. on Sunday. And uh, they had another fantastic fundraising year. Um, 
I can't remember off the top of my head the exact number, but it was over $11 million. Yeah, which is insane. Right, because they don't do canning anymore. No, yeah, it's think changed. about that. Think about that. They don't do canning. Now, I know there are times, you know, it's not necessarily like, oh, we just lose all of that and don't gain anything. Like, I know there are probably things they do now that they didn't do right, before. Right, but it's not exactly the same. Right, no, it, it absolutely is not. You're still losing a, a thing, especially for a long time. That was like one of the – I know there are lots of other sources of, of donations and things. But, like, in terms of, like, public eye, that was a very – common thing you right. saw you know there are weekends where that you know just big intersections you'd see people out canning like it was it was an, a known thing and uh, a lot of people it was a big deal at the time and i feel like a lot of people now sometimes are like oh yeah like that that they don't do canning anymore and right. they still were at um uh, over 11 million dollars which right. is absolutely, yeah, absolutely. did a great job um incredible event if you like we say it every year and i think we've talked about it nearly every year right um that we've done this show or in uh, mid-february but if you haven't done anything with thon like even looked into it you're definitely doing yourself a disservice and it's an incredible philanthropic uh endeavor and it's incredible and you know kelly and i can't speak anything but positivity about it and uh, we enjoyed our time fully participating in the event for for uh, the last three years that we were at Penn State. And uh, thankfully, um, over the years now, um, I think it's been about a decade or so that Four Diamonds Fund and Thon embraced high schools to run yeah, their own which is, separate which is awesome. events called mini-thons. And I believe we've talked about the Wilson one uh, many years on the show. And if, if you've been with us for a while, you might recall that five years ago, Justin and I did our show live from the event yeah. We did uh, two separate shows for, I believe, three hours each time. Yeah. Um, it's like 8 to 11 Friday evening or Saturday evening because I think it was Saturday and the Sunday when we did it five years ago. It was like – or maybe it was Friday to Saturday. I don't remember. But it was like 8 to 11 in the evening and then we went back and went broadcast from like – because I think it might have been 7 to 7 then. I know I know it's changed a little bit yeah, since they started it. But we were there for three hours late the first night and then very early the next morning. Uh, their events run for 12 hours. And Wilson, I believe this year was the seventh one that Wilson's done. I think, I think the first one like was that. in the spring of 2014 or late winter 2014. So I believe this was the seventh one. And um, they keep doing a great job. I'm trying going to try to pull this up here, see if I can zoom in a little bit to it, enlarge the photograph for everyone to see. Um, but um, from the uh, official Wilson School District Twitter account, we can see that um, – Minithon this year was able to raise over $91,000, $91,827.96. So congratulations to uh, the Wilson School District and all the um, uh, staff leaders and the captains and then all the students that raise money on their donor drive pages. Um, they, they did another fabulous job in the third three straight years, I believe, at over 90000 Yeah, which is absolutely amazing. You know, you, you look at, again, and – the thing with with Thon at Penn State and one of the things that's always talked about there is it's student-led and it's student-led. And I think that part kind of gets overlooked a little bit as well. Now, it there is a sense of where, you know, it is this machine. And I don't mean that in a negative way, you know, where you get involved. It's not like you're starting with whole new people every year. You are, but you don't just become like the head, you know, torch, or, right? Yeah, it's not like you up. have – 200 people running the thing that have never been involved before. No, like you kind of work through, you know, usually you're on some kind of staff here and then maybe you are an officer and then maybe yeah. you are an officer of the overall. So, you know, like you work your way through that generally. And it's cool to see that at that high level because that's part of what helps it go from year to year. Right. And we're, we've reached that point where that's happening in high schools too. You get kids that are, you know, they dance their freshman year or maybe their sophomore year, and then they, um, you know, they they're real involved the next year, and then they're like on a committee the next, you know, like they're they're working their way through, and it is it's cool to see them uh, like take ownership and and get involved with that and the ideas that they have, and um, you know, some of the things that 
like we said, some of the fundraisers they do every year, and then sometimes they're coming up with new ones. And it, it's just it's great to see them working and how involved they get in that. And I know there are a number of them that have gone to Penn State and get real involved with on there. But I also know that there are a ton that have gone to other schools where they haven't done this as long, but something is like starting. And they also get really involved at those other schools and help get those efforts off the ground too, yeah. which is also incredible, you know, because it's, I, you know, well, we like to sit here and talk about Penn State lots, you know, mm-hmm. like we're going to commend everyone in their efforts to combat pediatric cancer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we don't care where you're doing that. That's a good thing. No, that's, so, that's a positive it, for Yeah, everyone. it's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad to see, um, glad to see that it went seemed to be a successful right. evening and months leading up oh, to Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. So actually when, when I was a, a captain at Penn State my senior year, it was the first year I was at the Bryce Jordan Center. It was in February uh, 2007. But I remember leading up to the event talking about some of the things that happened. And one of them was the other university sending representatives to how we run uh-huh. the dance marathon so that they can – that's Either cool. start their own right. or make theirs bigger and better. Right. Uh, that was something that we got to do. They, they would come in and we, and I was because I was a past team captain, allowing people in and off right, the floor. Right. We had to hand those out, and we, we had to be aware of who was coming and why they were requesting that pass and things like that. And that was always cool to see um, what you know big D one type universities were stopping by right. to see how Penn State ran things. Yeah, and again, how Penn State students ran things. Right. Yeah. It 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 really is a it really is a cool cool thing to see. Um, you know, I you you mentioned it. You were there for that first year at Bryce Jordan Center. Um, I know my dad always tells me how like he remembers how it was in a ballroom when he was there. It was still in the ballroom. Yeah. It hadn't made yeah. its way to Rec Hall yet at the time. Um, so like it, it was just yeah, lot, lots of stories of people thinking back to those times at Penn State or now. You're getting these whole groups of kids that remember right. it from high school, which is awesome. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, so we're gonna stick. You know, it's not the Bulldog Hour. We're going to stay in, in the in the home territory uh, and talk a little bit here. Definitely newsworthy, though. Quickly, though. Yeah, just because um, I know that the majority of people that watch this show um, have some connection to Wilson in some way. And um, just uh, yesterday, Justin and I were in Hershey for the 2020 PIAA District 36A Basketball Championship game which Wilson was playing in for just the third time in their basketball history. Of course, their basketball history is actually older than their football history, than, than the Wilson football history. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming, but Wilson was able to win yesterday, and it was an incredible environment and atmosphere. It was a lot of fun to be at. Um, it was set up um, beautifully, playing against Reading High for a fourth time this year. That's Obviously, right. a huge Burks opponent. And, uh, you know, and I know they're very different, but we do talk a lot of the high school football in here. And, you know, it's always crazy when we talk about those potential rematches in, in football and that's twice. And I, I know it's a different game and I know it's different, but like playing your, your biggest rival in, in basketball four times. Right. And yeah. And two of those being playoff games, you know, like one in the league playoff semifinals and the other in the district championship yeah. like it doesn't doesn't get any crazier than that. yeah so wilson beat reading four times this season already i don't think they'll get a fifth but that would be something because it would mean it would be in the state final I hey believe. you know what i'd love to have the chance <laughs> yeah. i'd love for that, right. the chance that opportunity that would be pretty great i was in, in i'm pretty sure reading would sign up for that oh, right now too absolutely. like everybody would sign up for that uh, th- that was something that that came to a head and, and became a lot more public um if you're on social media in the last 36 hours that um, despite you know sometimes the attitudes of between the fans, the the coaches and players are very close between yeah. a lot of the the, the Burke schools. Uh, we saw um, Wilson and Redding, um, both players and coaches, embracing and propping each other up um, immediately after the game and in the hours that follow. And then today we saw um, Muhlenberg do the same, yeah, uh, re- reciprocating uh, the uh, respect for um, each other's programs as. Uh, uh, Nesby and Coldren, the two coaches, got together yeah. sh- uh, showing off their district championships. Muhlenberg's in the classification below Wilson and Redding in 5A, but they did win. And um, Drago yeah. was just posting on, on Twitter uh, all about the uniqueness of this basketball season right. for Berks County. Well, and, like, it was interesting because I don't know if you caught it because it was chaotic. But, like, when they were uh, – when they awarded the 
the medals and, and things to Reading. You know, that's a tough time to second place because you're, you're – You know you were this close. Right, yeah, and very close in this yeah, instance. Very. And, um, you know, the Wilson fans or Wilson students, uh, athletes, went over and, um, you know, congratulated and, you know – kind of gave a congratulations to the Reading players and, and coaches and everything like that. And, you know, that was, that was nice. It, it is something that we've seen. I think Muhlenberg did it last year in one of their games. And I had, had not seen it before at that time. Um, and when it happened, the, the PA announcer at the giant center, who is like the legendary guy who does all of the giant center games yeah. and everything. Like he is like the voice of PIAA championships and things like that. Um, you know, just starts kind of, talking about how Matt Coldren and coach Perez are like, are the classiest individuals and you won't see uh, better prepared teams and, you know, better, like better teams, like in terms of their sportsmanship. It, you know, it, it's just nice to hear a guy that has, in my understanding, no ties to either program other than he's calling the game, just, right. you know, appreciating what he's seeing there. Cause yeah, like you said, people get caught up and, you know, things like that. And it's easy to do in the game, but it it is cool to see things like that in the moments after the game. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great atmosphere. Um, very, very fun. Great game to be at. Um, and, uh, you know, they got to take home the big prize to get the trophy yeah. and the medal. And again, uh, I don't know if I did say it. I say this was the third time playing in it, but it was the first time Wilson's won. Yeah. And so not only was it just the third time that the team has made it this far, but it's the first district championship in boys basketball program history at Wilson. So it's a huge achievement. And um, I know right before the show started, I saw Mike Drago from the Red and Eagle on Twitter saying that Wilson is the only team in the state in any classification. I'm assuming he's talking boys yeah. uh, basketball. To have 27 wins. Yes. And they're also one of only six programs with just one loss. Yeah. And they're the only one in 6A. Yet with all the others are 3A or lower. Right. So now, Wilson, there's five more games to go, you know, but you lose, you're done. Right. It's... Uh, I guess until the final four because they play a third place game. Oh, do they? At least that's what the bracket showed. Oh wow! I didn't so, know. I didn't know they did Which that. I assume is right before the championship uh, Saturday, you know March 21st you know at Giant they do. Center. So, I, I think they do. That's what the bracket showed, an extra game right there at the bottom. So, essentially, you are guaranteeing yourself five games if you can win three games. Okay. So. Um, well, starts with one. Yeah, Wilson. On Saturday. There'd be, there's a triple header at Kutztown yeah. University featuring, um, what, Redding? Redding against, um, oh, I, I know who they play. I'm trying to I, remember. I for, forgetting right now, but I, I know that I, I saw it. But uh, Reading boys are there in the first game. Twin Valley girls, Twin Valley girls are right. in there in the second game. And then the Wilson boys are there in the third game. Um, uh, so that game is – the Wilson game, I should say, is scheduled to start at 4 p.m. I still love the front on the banner there, Allison Willingmeyer. Oh, yeah, there right you go. Front, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, she was a beast. <laughs> yes. Absolutely amazing, yeah. Very, very strong uh, track and cross-country performer. Um, So, Wilson will open with North Penn out of uh, District 1. The the 10 seed out of of, uh, District 1. Now, again, it gets That's the final seed, I believe. That is, that is. But it's a little distorted. Um, I've I've heard not much about North Penn. I know they've got really good size. Um, Shocker. A school that has over a thousand kids a grade has, has some define. tall kids, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, so that's uh, I, you know, my cursor is not showing up on the screen. But um, Wilson's um, about halfway down on the left, three dash one. You know, that's the district three champion. Wilson twenty seven and one, hosting the tenth seed out of district one, North Penn, um, under five hundred for the year though. Yeah, twelve yeah. and fifteen. Now you look at a lot of the teams that they lost to are also in the state playoffs, right. you know, um, lower Marion, Cheltenham. Yeah. Methacton, Methacton, Methacton beat the snot out of Cheltenham in the district one title game. Yeah. Well, and they had, j- did the same thing to Chester in the game before yeah. that. Yeah. So, and Methacton is a team that Wilson beat. Right. Um, I believe at the be- very beginning of February, about yeah. a month, maybe a month ago yeah. today, actually. And, so, and a game that came down to the wire. Yep. Uh, and, 
Methacton was either a, at least a Final Four participant last year, yeah, if they, not they in the state championship. They made a deep run in the states last year, and so they're, they're, um, they know what they're doing. If I read the bracket correctly, if they if they make it the way normally, Methacton would attack, kind of be the t- number two overall seed, I would think. Uh, yeah, number one in the so. north bracket, and whereas we're number one in this this south bracket here, or whatever you want to, however you want to call it. Right. Um, so hopeful that Wilson can win this first one this coming Saturday at Kutztown against North Penn, and then they'll get the winner of Northampton and Lower Marion. Lower Marion's very good. I'm sure Northampton's good, but Lower Marion, I know they're have that six seed there, but I. Um, but they had they had to go up against yeah, the likes I of mean, Cheltenham and right. Methacton right. and Chester. Right. So yeah, um, I, I've been told that should Wilson beat North Penn, the game against either Northampton or Lower Marion could could be at the Geigel. Okay. So you know, not a uh, even closer than Kutztown for for Wilson. That yeah. would be a great yeah. draw if Wilson would be able to play. Should they defeat North Penn, play in the second round of states, especially at the Geigel and Reading, that would be a Tuesday. So, like, not having to go—it's a Wednesday. Okay, not having to go that far on a school night though would be—that's huge. So it's Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Like you said, they have to take care of business against North Penn because there's no like in districts because they had gotten the bye. Even if they lost their first district game, they would have had a chance to still win their way into states because they had a bye through that first round. That's not how it works in states anymore. Like you, you lose, you go home. Yeah, essentially, um, for the most part. Yeah. So you got to win these games. Um, you know, it, it's it's good to get some rest. You know, a week off I know can be kind of a little crazy, but you know they just had that. They had three tough games in a row: McCaskey, Cedarcrest, and then Reading. Yeah. But to be honest, like, and I was talking when you get to that stage. Though, I was talking to someone of... last week. Right, like when you're reaching the quarter semi and finals of districts and now into states like you can look at stuff and be like oh well you know i think every team's good like every team you're gonna face from here on out is gonna be good slash really good you know like there aren't bad teams left and i i know that's a little distorted because people like oh there's so many teams make it like no listen like yeah 10 teams make it out of district one because of the mass of like half the teams <laughs> that are 6A in the state basically or half the 6A teams are from district 1 you know like you have to take that into account and we talk about that a lot more on our bulldog hour show a lot of times when we discuss kind of like east versus west and and that more cuz it's more of a straight bracket cuz there aren't as many teams involved but um it is it is pretty interesting yeah and I'm pretty thankful that they're going to Kutztown. On, yeah, on no, I, I won't and that's, be able. That's why you need. That's why you need to win those games. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it either. But I know a lot of people will be heading up there. So yeah, I would love to be able to go, but I have I have uh, work in the morning and then uh, a family activity in the afternoon. So I'm not going to be able to go this Saturday. Would mind going Wednesday should they win, especially if it's at the Geigel. Right. Um, not a long drive on a, on a work night like that, but. We'll see how it goes. I have already penciled in, you know, should it happen that that Tuesday and Saturday of the Final Four and the and the state championship, just to make sure I remember that that's when it will be. Should they make it that far, because those are games that I would definitely like to be in attendance for, and uh, maybe just like this last weekend, take some pictures of it because right. uh, this championship's right back where we were in the Giant Center right. um, on Saturday the twenty first, and it's prime time, eight o'clock. Is the, is the big one. So it's the show. We'll see. But I, I, I do like looking here at this um, tweet about locations, uh, although I don't believe in the slightest that the distance from Lebanon, Cornwall, Lebanon, to St. Peter's, or excuse me, not St. Peter's, Peter's Township in out near Pittsburgh is 4 hours and 45 minutes. That is no way is that accurate. No. That's at least an hour over what it actually is. Right. Not that it takes w- too much away I'd give from them, the I'd argument. Give them, I'd give them four hours. I'd give See, them four I, hours. I think far, we can make it from here to 84 in four hours and 15 minutes. So you're, you're, yeah. you're pushing, you're already farther west to begin with. So, right. and Cedar Crest is right off of the turnpike right. exit there. That's what I'm so. saying. There's no way. So, we're talking Cedar Crest boys basketball so, has to travel to Peter's Township <laughs> to play Mount Lebanon. It's a long drive. And I texted you about it earlier today. I was like, wow, they have to go out there for that. And that is unfortunate. And like he points out that um, Central Dolphins got to travel four hours to North Allegheny. Central York only has to go 15 minutes to West York. Right. Um, Harrisburg's going almost two hours to Plymouth White Marsh. 
and one and two Wilson and Redding are at Kutztown. But now, that's like he kind of was proving the point. Right. Like you well, and like Harrisburg got that because of the side bracket they're on. You know, like they they end up going to, you know, play the Philly schools. Um I think Harrisburg has to play um I'm trying to they might have to play like Roman Catholic or something. I, I forget who they play in the first round, but it doesn't. Um, <laughs> it has no bearing whatsoever on the state tournament. Yeah. Winning your league has nothing no, to do with the It has all state. to do with the seat. That's how they know it's this isn't NCAA bracketing where they just match up teams that they want to see. No, this is literally the bracket was existed before. That's why yeah. when Wilson won yesterday. Everybody's like, oh, they're playing North Penn yeah. because North Penn had played Friday night, I believe. Yep. So they knew that North Penn was the 10 seed, and they know that District 3-1 seed plays District 1 10 seed. You know, I might have said that backwards, but well, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, I, yeah, we, I got you. So. so, but I mean, enough enough of local high school athletics, although I probably should mention the boys' swimming team won District Gold. The girls' swimming team was District Second Place. Um, also placed a huge number of uh, bowlers into the state tournament after yeah. placing uh, in the top five, top six at regionals, both boys and girls. Excellent representation, not from just Wilson, but Berks County in general. A yeah, solid weekend. Um, and I know uh, swimming. Uh, no, there's a number that are going to yeah. be competing in a week and a half at Bucknell there. Yeah, so, so uh, swimming and diving. It's just like I, I said two weeks ago how incredible well, the last year I has think, been. I, I don't know. I, I was going to say I don't know if it's for Coach Snyder or for the program, but it's probably both. Um, <laughs> right? I think it was their 20th district title yeah. for boys swimming, um, which is crazy. I mean, and they're at least on back-to-back because I know they both won last year, boys uh, and girls. Right. So, But – um, it's been an incredible um, year since last spring sports season to the start of spring sports season this year, which is tomorrow. <laughs> spring yeah. sports kick off uh, yeah. uh, with winter sports uh, still, you know, the, the big time district and now state playoffs are all well underway for the, the winter sports. And they'll be going on for the next two to three weeks uh, to, if you keep on winning. But spring sports start tomorrow. Uh, I don't believe the first real games for a majority of the sports can happen before uh, the week of the 23rd, though, so it'd be right after yeah, I think the you, basketball state yeah. championship games. So I'm like, I know sometimes it gets weird, but usually that no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking in the fall how golf starts real early. Like golf, golf starts, starts like starts, early August and it's yeah. over by like yeah. the first week of October right, or something right. like that. Yeah, um, but uh, great, great um, athletics. It's hard to believe because it's March and man, that's spring sports season. It gets crazy sometimes because sometimes the last week of the season is colder than the first week of the season. Like it, it gets really weird, but um, man, once it gets going, that spring sports season is fast. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's the end of April, yeah. you know, and kind of crazy. Yeah. So boys and girls lacrosse going on, baseball and softball happening. Uh, boys volleyball, I believe. Yep. yep. Um, and obviously track and field. And then so. I think, I think boys tennis is in the spring. Yeah, boys tennis yeah. is in the spring. Girls tennis is in the fall. I, I think. Yes. Okay. Yeah. If boys is in the spring, I'm I'm pretty sure girls was in the fall too. Actually, well, no, I, but that's what I'm saying. Like maybe yes. girls is in the spring because like if you put girls in the fall, that's also the same time as field Girl, hockey and girls and, soccer. And girls soccer, right? I don't know. Yeah. Not an expert, no. so but congratulations to all involved because they are they're crushing it. They, yeah. They're doing a really really good job. So let's talk a little bit about. Let's see, where should we go first? Hmm. Have, did, have you read or seen or watched any of the combine over the last uh, week? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, I saw that Isaiah Simmons is I, an absolute beast. Right, and all I could think was. He's too good for the Eagles to get. Him. <laughs> well, now <laughs> right. he is, yeah, because right. he's. I mean, so before he had posted the numbers, I was thinking of texting you and just saying, "Hey, like, where does he project?" Because I know one of the things is he played like twenty different positions throughout his college career. Yeah, he, he was like, like lined up. The only thing I every... played was like nose tacklers. Right, like he <laughs> lined up like ten different positions on defense and like four or five on offense. Something crazy. And I was like, obviously, I know he's not projecting to be an offensive player, but like, I'm like, where is he going to project the 
be in the NFL. And I know that's most likely linebacker. Um, yeah. But like, it all depends on scheme. But I mean, his, his speed, like, it all depends of, on scheme. Uh, right. Uh, you know, depending on where he lands, he could be. I would think his primary listed position is going to be a form of outside linebacker. Right. I feel like he's an outside linebacker. Right. Could find himself I, up I on the line a lot, I, I depending on the scheme. But in the NFL, he's in the a middle linebacker. He's going to no. stay on the outside, but it'll allow him I mean, to be an edge but rusher. Honestly, maybe it depends on the week that you're like who you're well, playing. But that's that's you why know, you like, have to find the right scheme of the right. right coaches. You know, because you have a hybrid. You know, you have someone that. Is part Julius Peppers, part Von Miller. Well, and like, for example, like, I think if you're trying to put together a defense, Thomas, you're putting together a defense that's going against like the Chiefs, let's say. So let's say you're, I know, I know this doesn't necessarily fit the scheme, but like, if you're the Broncos or somebody and you're looking for somebody, like, I'm like, how maybe he is a middle in middle linebacker there because of just, just thinking of the, you've got a team that can spread like that super fast side to side, you know, like, the Chiefs can run the ball, but their their style of run the ball is not like, you know, nine guys on the line with a with the quarterback and back, and we're just going to pound you. You know, like that's not what it's yeah. going to be. But yeah, you know, a lot of that is just play calling more than and for you know packages rather than like where he necessarily projects. You know, but I mean, I, I'm glad to see him put up good numbers because like I I like seeing guys do that when they're capable, you know, it's frustrating to watch guys try to do that when they're probably just not quite capable, you know, like, and they try to do all those different things. Like, no, I was going to say he's taking some failed shots. Like, I feel like Michigan has tried to do that a lot over the last few years. Like they have guys who are like, Oh, this guy is a stud at all these different positions. And no, he's actually just, he's all right at like a few positions and he'd probably be better if he just picked one right you know it's like when you have a switch hitter who bats 180 from both sides of the plate you're not a switch hitter dude just pick one you're not a hitter right yeah like just pick one and bat 240 okay um and so like i i kind of feel that way about isaiah simmons is man he's he's he looks like he's really good at lots of different things and it's fun to see maybe he can uh kind of step up there i hope he doesn't end up on a team i hate so um that, <laughs> so, that's one of the key takeaways i saw. I believe going into the combine you know, talking about the draft simmons was a i feel like a solid top 15 yeah some people probably would have argued top 10 now i think he's solid top 10 and could push top five right and and that you know there's still the well, on-campus and, workouts to do right. and, but one of the beauty things is there is like Let's say he was an offensive tackle, right? Like, you know, I, I don't know, just making up a position here. But, like, if he's an offensive tackle, well, depending on who you are, maybe you just drafted your franchise left tackle last year. You know, like, a lot of those top teams are bad for multiple years. So maybe you're not looking to draft another left tackle again right. this year. You know, like, but when you are like, man, he, we could put him four or five different spots depending on how we kind of build other things in our on our team this offseason – that becomes a different conversation. You know, yeah. there are lots of teams that can sign up for him, you know? So I think that that's a big, that's a big advantage. Reading plays St. Joe's. Practice. Okay. I knew it was one of the Philly schools. <laughs> um, I was just, I had the wrong Philadelphia Catholic school. So, and, and Muhlenberg plays Friday at five o'clock against South Fayette. So, um, and Brandywine Heights, Brandywine gets to play Newman Goretti. Yeah. That's, that's at, a tough draw at Archbishop a, Wood. So you're going, draw. you're going to Philly to play Newman Goretti. Mm, have fun with that. We're going to call that one a contrast of styles. Yeah, um, that's. I don't uh, know that I've ever shared the story on here. I've, I probably have told you before, but uh, at Duquesne they hosted. Uh, it might have been a first round of states or maybe a late district game out in at Duquesne and, and the Whippeal, and it was um, Chartiers Valley, which I would say is a school reminds me a lot of Wilson. Um, and this particular year had a, a Chartier's Valley had about five, six, one kids that could all shoot. That was basically their team, right? So when it was four a at the time and they were playing Shenley, which was one of the, was the city league champion in Philly who had three or four players going division one. And I mean like Cincinnati, UNLV, like, yeah. And, um, Shenley wins the tip. And the guy 
dribbles once, dribbles twice, throws it up at the rim. The guy comes flying in for an alley-oop dunk to nothing. Yeah. Like Chartier's Valley holds the ball for two and a half minutes, turnover, dunk for nothing. Like that was pretty much the theme of the game. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that Brandywine can't pull it off. I'm just saying it's going to be a contrast of styles. Newman Goretti has won eight state titles over the past 10 seasons, including five straight from 2014 to 2018. Last year, Bishop McDevitt. No, not that Bishop McDevitt. Right. The, um, other. the other Bishop McDevitt um, ended that, that streak. Um, but, well, good luck to all the Brooks County teams. Not to take Absolutely. a little uh, little detour again right. away from what we were talking about. But, anyways, back to the NFL combine, NFL draft preparations ongoing. Uh, right now, what position do you want Philadelphia to focus on? Um, and after you say cornerback, what would be the next position you want them to focus on? So it's kind of tough because – So they're drafting fairly late, um, like in the 20s. Yeah. I'm trying um, to think where. Probably right around 24-ish, maybe. I, I don't know. 24 is owned by – no, they might be right because I think – I was going to say I thought Miami had 24 from Houston, but I think that might be 26. So I know it's a deep wide receiver class. Um, depending on who's there, maybe take wide receiver at that point. However – because it's a deep wide receiver class, who can you get in the second round? You know what I mean? That right. might be able to help you. Like you got to look at that difference there. I believe. Um, I wouldn't. I know the offensive line has been been okay. Like depending on what lineman's there, like I wouldn't mind seeing a lineman. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a linebacker. I think there's zero to slim chance that they take a. Linebacker in the first round. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I'd say defensive secondary or wide receiver. Like, and I know you. Like, even if they're addressing secondary in lots of ways, like they need lots of help back there. Like, I don't know that, or maybe a medical staff because that's, they're on the third, well, third medical three staff. Years, three right? years, yeah, that's yeah, it's a tough one. What do you think they're going to do with the backup quarterback situation? Because they don't have anyone. I think they draft somebody late. Do um, you think that? But that's probably likely to be the uh, third string guy, your developmental right. guy. Okay, so I think part of that is they're going to have to wait and see who kind of. Right, because that, that happens there. in about two and a half we've, weeks or we've so. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Like, all right. Um, so hear me out. It's like Chad played with Andy. Andy and Doug Peterson are Very close. Like close. we've seen, and we've seen backups move back and forth between those guys, and now even a little bit in like Chicago. Like it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe Chad come in as you know a backup role. That would be you know, interesting. Like, um, it's an interesting spot when you got um, Carson Wentz there because. I, I know people are like, oh, he, he played two 16-game seasons. Like, out of the four, he's played two of them. He's played all 16 game teams. Yeah. So, like, people are like, wait, he plays all 16 games. He's done it twice. Um, and you could argue that the year, the second year that he didn't, well, part of that was from the knee injury to begin with. You know, so, like, you know, he was probably rushed back a little bit there, too. So, right. um, yeah, I think – I, I think it'll be interesting to see um, kind of how that plays out. I think they're looking for a veteran guy like that. Um, I oh, think. for sure. Um, I mean, it would make a lot of sense, at least regionally, you know, geographically speaking. Right. So, like, I think that could make sense. I could, think you could see somebody. Because I did see, um, was it the Raiders are interested in Sudfeld, you know? Yeah, the Raiders are interested. I, I, yeah. Was it McCown that was, I mean, he's, what, 42? Is it McCown? Yeah, McCown's there. I know McCown, there. they were there was talk that they were going to try and talk him into being like one of the coaches, one of the offensive mm. coaches. Um, so, I mean, there's an opening there for sure. Right. That needs so, to be addressed. Yeah. They're going to have a couple spots. Um, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, do you think, so say in the first round, Philly goes DB, it's, you know, a cornerback or a secondary guy. You think they do another, um, I don't want to say diminutive because I don't think Deshaun Jackson was that diminutive, but do you think they uh, revisit the uh, second round speedy receiver and go KJ 
in the Eagles go KJ it. in the I second it, round. I want it to happen. And KJ wants it to happen, too, because <laughs> he was talking at the combine. He was talking about how his best friend is Miles Sanders, and he's saying to Miles, put in a good word for with the Eagles for me. Like, yeah. like oh, my gosh. Man, how I'm, happy would you be to have Miles and KJ there? Yeah, especially if you – just like Miles Sanders, if you can get KJ in the second round, do it. Yeah. Do it. He's – I love KJ Hamler. You can't draft the five ten wide receiver in the first round. No. Like in my opinion, you you can draft a six four. You can wide draft Ceedee Lamb or Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy. <laughs> yes, any of those. You know what? And if they do that in the first round, like I'd Still be fine. Get they're not going to be there when they're there. <laughs> no, but, not when the no. Eagles but e- oh my gosh, can you imagine AJ Jefferson? Um, I'd take AJ Jefferson. Imagine if he took Jefferson and Hamler. Like oh my well, gosh, you know how excited would you? You know, and then you've got. And I saw somebody bring this up the other day. Like, I'm not convinced. Like, there are people who are like, oh, what are they going to do at running back? You know, because they lost the guys other than. Oh. And I'm like, I'm not convinced that Sanders, you can Clement, who should be back in healthy this year, and um, uh, Boston Scott, like, they could be your three running backs. Like, and there'll be, there's plenty of veterans you can add to that mix that right you can if you're not happy with it when, especially when you've got your your three down guy in Miles Sanders you've got your change up guy in Boston Scott and you've got a little bit of the pound the rock guy Corey in Clement, Corey Super Bowl Clement. hero right exactly <laughs> and it, so if you needed a guy the guy you need is big guy to get in there you know inside the five yeah. well those are the guys that are probably easiest to pick up you know, as opposed to just like the looking for the fast guy because that fast guy's already on a team. You know, um, yeah, I I don't see like they need weapons on offense. They need weapons on offense. The, like they they showed like every stat, like every advanced analytic stat shows like there was nothing Carson Wentz could do last year. The guys weren't open. He was getting the ball to them, and they were still dropping it. Yeah. You know, like I. You know, the numbers back it up. Um, and so I think you need to get guys that can get open. And the thing there is you can get a couple guys and that changes everything. So, like, imagine if you get KJ or or Jefferson or someone like that and all of a sudden you get Deshaun Jackson, even if Deshaun Jackson isn't as fast, but if he's healthy. Right. You know what I mean? So, like... He's not as fast, but if he's healthy, you get him, you get another one. Like, it's one of those where it's kind of like adding a pitcher to the top of your rotation in baseball. I know that I've done a lot of baseball analogies tonight, but like, <laughs> you know, when you're now matching, like, who was your, like, maybe borderline best pitcher is now going against the other team's second best pitchers, you know, like, that's an advantage for you. So, like, when you add, oh, this guy is now our best receiver. Our second best receiver, who was our number one last year, is now going against the second best DB on their team, or things like that. It, it's huge. Um, I also think changing offensive scheme will help. I know they didn't hire an offensive coordinator, but I know they got rid of their offensive coordinator. So I think that's a benefit too, because they were really hurt by losing both offensive guys right after the Super Bowl at the same time, and they were kind of left in a tough spot because you win the Super Bowl; it's late in the season. I don't think they – that did not work out as they had hoped. Um, I'm not a big grow fan, so. I like the idea of doubling down. And this is just kind of a general – this isn't just a Philadelphia perspective, but, you know, for them in two of the first three or four picks being receivers or – I agree. Or defensive backs. Um, and I bring this up only because there was word that – Miami could do that with quarterbacks this year that they could now the stuff, the rumors going on right now is that they don't love two enough to move up to three to get him. They're going to sit at five. And even if they sit at five, they might not take him and take Herbert. I don't think he's going to be there at five. I think they're going to get Herbert. The mocks that I saw today had him dropping outside the top 10. Really? Yeah. So see, I think, I think what's going to happen is he's going to throw in April right before the draft at his, Pro day supposedly, and he's gonna look amazing, and and he's gonna jump right back up there. Again, this is from from the combine stuff, but it's from sources that I, I trust, and they're public out there. This isn't someone telling me this; I'm seeing right, it right. On, on Twitter and stuff. That there was enough noise from 
scouts and front office personnel that not enough of the league is sold on Tua, especially specifically his medical history. Yeah. What well, which is to invest the top one five of the things pick. I'd heard. They I heard somebody talking this week. He's never played a full season, not in high school, not in college. Well, and they said well, the pros will get to see. He's never played a full season. So, he's always been hurt. So that's rough. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But re- regardless, what are your of thoughts on the, Justin Herbert? To uh, uh, Herberts, it's one of those that I like the experience. It's tough because like everybody's like, if he came out last year, he would have been the number one quarterback, which I don't think he would have been. I think Kyler Murray right. would have been, but. I like the experience factor. Yeah. I like the size. I just don't know that the execution was there over, you know, what he was a four year starter, wasn't he? I think so. I, you know, and, and as long as the, and I haven't done a deep dive into him because I was mostly focused on Tua for a while right. that I need to go and, and, and do the, uh, I need to read up on him from, from the draft sites that I, that I venture to. What about the uh, love kid? So that is the other one. They they expect him to Utah State, possibly right? sneak into later parts of first round where a team trades back in yeah. to ensure the fifth year option. Because mm-hmm. um, I guess that's well, there are changes coming for the fifth year option, but I don't. I think it's better for the players. Well, I think so. Um, Love had a great year two years ago, and then this past year didn't do as well, including like seventeen interceptions. Yeah, but they're like now some of that is him. But they're like he also played with four new linemen and lost all top his top four wide receivers. Right. So, so like they're like he was, and they mentioned at Utah State, it's not like at Alabama where you've got you're just reloading. You're, you know, yeah, you you've are, got probably kids that are some you, of which are better stepping in. You're, you're not reloading at Utah yeah. State. Yeah. So a team, you know, in the final five to seven picks of the first round, um, could be looking to draft them as maybe a quarterback air in the future or a team from the top 10 that didn't take a quarterback early trades back into the end of so the, the first Patriots round. Will take so the Patriots would be an option. Um, how about the, what do you make of that Brady video with Edelman? Did you see it? Yeah. How weird was that? And did you see the thing today from the other angle? One of the fans saw it. Edelman later pulled up uh, Vrabel on FaceTime and they were FaceTiming with Vrabel while they were there. Um, it's a unique situation. That's yeah. For sure. You see how Brady looked like he wanted to kill Edelman. Yeah. Which also makes me think like I can very much picture Edelman as being the friend in any group that is constantly the guy that like everybody's like yeah Stirring yeah we're friends pot. but is always there and everybody's like at some point in the night you're like I want to kill him like I can't stand it like why is he here you know like I feel like Edelman is definitely that guy. <laughs> he is absolutely that guy. And not it's not this isolated incident. I mean, like when he's jumping on the hood of a car out in California, like he's that guy. Or things we can't mention because it's a family-friendly show. Yeah. <laughs> How about – all right, let, let's just say New England's off the table. Brady's not going back to the Patriots. This is just a hypothetical We just to make this fun. Where would your top three locations be where you think he will land? Um, I wasn't into it at first, but I think Tennessee is on that list. Okay. Um, I think – so it's kind of crazy because you have to look at places where yeah, – well, see, Tennessee matches it from a football standpoint, but it doesn't match it from any of the other standpoints. Right. To me, I feel like the Chargers are being overvalued. Um, I don't know why he'd want to go into a division where he's going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes just to win the division. Right. Like. That could be a tough sell. When it also looks like the Raiders may be on the, you know, climb as well. Like, I feel like that's iffy. An interesting one that I hadn't heard much was. You're going to take mine. Tampa, right? Which is interesting because you've been on the Saints decline for years now, right? That's got to happen eventually. Panthers, who knows? New coach, possibly new quarterback there trying to figure things out. Atlanta, where? Who knows? Like, they've they've got some more fight left, right? Like, I think they do, but you never know. And I don't think Brady's afraid of Matt Ryan in Atlanta, though. Right. 
So I think Tampa, man, you go there. He's got better wide receivers than he's had for years. In Bruce Arians loves the veteran quarterback. I I wouldn't write out Tampa. This is this is like silly, but you go to Florida, which has no personal, no state personal income tax. Right. I know, like people are like, well, Harmont. It matters when you're making that. It matters. Match. It matters to everybody, and when you're making a lot, it matters a lot. Um, See, there's this thing called percentages. <laughs> right, right. We had this discussion yesterday. Hey, just because you're not good at numbers doesn't mean doesn't mean the numbers aren't correct. Um, so I'm going to go Tennessee, Tampa, and um, Vegas. Tennessee one, Tampa two, Vegas three. Yeah, I think Vegas okay. is the outlier that could be it, but isn't going to be it. I have just one of those okay. in mind. Um, I thought my my Tampa was going to be a little bit under the radar, sneaky, because <laughs> I haven't heard it too much. I only heard it once. Um, but but I, the, more I, I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, Tampa I think is that actually works. my number one because I think that Bruce Arians has an interesting uh, coaching style, and um, I think it's a style that Brady likes. I think Brady would like it. So that like football guy, like I I think that is um that is and my number one. Another so. another one of those weird like kind of like. Can come across as a jerk, but the guys that play for him love him. Right. Bruce Arians. You know, like that, that to me describes him. My number two is Indianapolis because okay. I think, um, what's the owner's name? Ursay. Ursay wants to do the reverse Manning where he, you know, I know that was his decision, right. you know, to move on from Peyton, but I think he'd like think to maybe. go to Indy after Indy reported the Deflate Gate stuff. I don't, I mean, I don't know. It depends on like, how much does money matter and how many how many um bridges have been burned like i don't know i just feel like there's that's a what if he went to indian one one though then he's got that over manning too you know like i won one for indy too you know like that kind of thing <laughs> like and uh, and when we said that him leaving is make or break for his legacy versus belichick yeah. like brady is one of the greatest if not the greatest quarterbacks ever but I think it harms him in that debate being with Belichick because Belichick has proven without him that he can still perform at a very high right. level. All that Brady's done without Belichick is lose the starting job at Michigan. <laughs> right. To Drew Henson, to um, a triple-A third baseman. So here's my number three, and this one is kind of out of left field. I don't know that's even a distinct possibility, but I think the connection – and it probably would depend on a lot of factors. And I'm trying not to talk myself out of it because I think it is kind of crazy. And, and a lot of things would have to change. Um, there would probably have to be a lot of uh, convincing on the free agent market and ideas of what would happen in the draft. Um, but I think I, my third is Detroit. Okay. Because of Matt Patricia. Right now, maybe they didn't have a great relationship, and I know he's the defensive guy. Like right. I understand, there's no overlap know he's there. Like a, but a, a rocket scientist. <laughs> but like it, there where there's smoke, there's fire. So they're obviously not don't feel enthralled with the end of Matt Stafford right. era, which I think is honestly good for both. I think Matt Stafford could go somewhere else and be very good. You know where I think Matt Stafford to Vegas would be very interesting. I think Matt Stafford or. To New England would be very interesting. Yeah, I no, no, no. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Matt Stafford to Indy would be interesting. Very you know, interesting. Like, so. But, I mean, and, and I don't want to make it just like the only line there is Patricia was with him for how many years yeah. in New England. But you mentioned, like, because I, I always thought the Chargers in Vegas were huge options. Oh, but with, like, does he really want to be what's, the second best quarterback in the division? All right. So let's let's – Cut through the the pleasantries here. Who's willing to cheat? Right. That's where. That's what it's going to come down to. Who's well, willing I mean, to cheat? The, and that's the Lions, because Patricia's gonna, got it right, built right, into his exactly. System. So so maybe the that's, Titans. That's where it's going to be. You know. Absolutely, the Titans. They've got a guy too. So I think they've got to be the front runners, right? Yeah, like I hadn't. I hadn't thought about. Be right at the top. Probably would be right at the top. I'm sure. I'm trying to get another email. We right. haven't gotten the nasty email. We haven't had one in a while. So, but yeah. So. Um, we're gonna we're gonna start to wind things down here. Um, just to circle back to the beginning, um, 
your dad mentioned, you know, about Wilson basketball. They've been surviving some close games, both versus Methacton, which we talked about, and against Reading here in the district championship. Um, you know, does that bode well for them? Uh, I mean, it definitely does that they can hang in there and fight till the end. Um, but it's also part of me is like, man, wouldn't it be nice to get some comfortable wins against right. some of the, right. the type? But you mentioned it earlier. All the teams you're playing now are very good or they right. wouldn't be at this point. Right. And the thing in basketball is like. If yeah. one shooter has a bad night, like if you're if you're a team that only has or, one or two scores and one of like, them is off. Like there's no coincidence. And it was kind of crazy because in the second quarter of the district championship game, when Stevie and Michael went out, Wilson pushed the lead from seven to twelve. I think it was what it was, or eight to twelve, or something like that. Um, Drago had tweeted it out, and I was like, "That's that's huge that they were able to extend the lead in that time." It was like a two minute stretch. But in the third quarter, Stevie um, like rolled his ankle or whatever, and you know it was it, it was it was awful. Um, you know, it just like you're left like, "Oh my gosh!" Like they're climbing back in it and you're like, what's happening? What's happening? Yeah. What's happening? Um, but then, you know, they were able to kind of stem the tide and you just knew like, man, these last 10 minutes, the last couple minutes of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, this is just going to be, this isn't going to be a relaxing, like, Oh, you know, I, t- I told you this when we were going up, I was like, I kept score when the Wilson girls won the district title, yeah, which was back to back in 13, 14. Right. So when I did that, like, first of all, when there's a scorekeeper, there's an official keeping the scorebook and there's someone from both teams. So like, you're just there to like double check, right? Like, so it's, there's not really high stress and Wilson won by double digits. So it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like a complete blowout, but it wasn't like a game that came down to the end, you know? Right. Um, whereas this, this was one of those games. So like, it, it was a very different feel. It was very exciting. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad they were able to get it done. Um, it'll be, it'll, I'm I'm happy for the kids and, oh, yeah, and for the coaches and all all that's gone into that. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun to see what they're able to do in the, the state playoffs. So, um, do you have anything else to add? Um, anything? I don't to so. to mention. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any. There are a ton of birthdays and family and friends in the month of March coming up. So Seems you have too many friends. This is probably true. That's probably very true. So, see, I felt it was safe to say that because March isn't one of isn't when my birthday is. Like that would that would be a dangerous thing if if it was a March birthday. <laughs> You're just like, okay, bye. Um, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, that'll be coming up. Uh, I don't think there's any in the first week. It's like a lot of them are near the end. A lot, a lot of the, okay. the ones I know yes. are near the yes. end. So, I agree. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens, but um, yeah, just looking at the girls' District 3 basketball champions, there's the run that I was talking to you about right there mm-hmm. when Wilson won three out of four, 97, 98, and 2000. So that 2000 was when I told you Columbia girls won, and the next game was the Wilson. Mm-hmm, yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And Wilson won in 2008, and then back-to-back, in 2013 and 2014. So, um, Wilson's in there with six. I think the 2014 was probably the one I did. I think you're probably right. Um, they beat Dover by 13. Yeah, that's it. Yep. They beat Central Dolphin the year before by 11. Yeah. So, well, Central Dolphin girls just won it. That's the did. one we were at. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. Good, good yeah, deal. So, um, I guess that's about it then, unless you yeah. have something to no, add, something to shout out to say, anything to mention. We talked about Minithon, which is great, and all of the Wilson Athletics, a little bit on NFL Combine and upcoming NFL Draft. And where is Brady going to go? But we'll have uh, another show next weekend. It'll probably be similar to this. Um, maybe we'll start talking a little bit base- baseball. Yeah, because uh, I yeah. had some baseball stuff I was going to bring up, but we talked a lot about local I high school sports. Someone so. asked JP Romuto like what what the goal is, and he's like to win the NL East. You know, like like what or where do you think you'll end up in the NL East? He's like, we think we can win it. And I was like, I, I wanted to just like quote to it and be like, this is just a nice J, JP Romuto is just nice 
way of saying what Jimmy Rollins said is we're the team to beat. <laughs> That's right. But that won't get the headlines, what he said. Right, exactly. What Jimmy Rollins said will definitely oh my gosh. be getting the headlines. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for baseball. I'm oh, my gosh. Excited. Yeah, I'm super excited for baseball. Um, you know, just the other day, just a couple of days ago, was the anniversary of Bryce Harper signing. Yeah. I think it was on the 28th, so yeah. just two days ago. So we've got a year, year under Bryce's deal. So that was so. one of those things where it happened. And I was like, that can't be yet. Like that didn't happen until the end of the Feb, or like end of February. And I was like, wait, oh, wait. a second, it is the <laughs> it end of February. Yeah, uh, snuck so. up on me. <laughs> that happens sometimes. Yeah. Yes. But all right, so that wraps up episode two ninety seven. One step closer to three hundred. That's crazy. Coming down the pipe uh, here in March, we'll hit it. Um, March 8th, you know, kind of a general sports thing. March 15th will be March Madness. We'll get to unveil our bracket challenge, which will be a lot of fun. And then the next week, March 22nd, that is our 300th episode. Wow. I don't know if anything special is going to happen. It might just be us talking. So probably March Madness and baseball and throw a little, you know, we'll have NFL free agency then. So maybe by then we'll know. Um, where Chad's going to be playing, and if any uh, big moves have happened so in the Brady be saga. Interesting is, does Brady feel the need to act early? I think he will because he wants the team to be able to build like the pieces they need. Maybe this will be like uh, the LeBron James summer, and uh, he'll have a big. Uh... I think at the Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> I'm taking my talents to to Tampa, Tampa to <laughs> Indianapolis. <laughs> buffalo (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) all right it's time to go thanks for listening (laughs) to the show everyone and we'll see you again real soon uh in a week's time actually that's a wrap on this episode of the joe mays and j-rack show brought to you by mays sandwich shop you can watch each weekly episode live on facebook periscope or youtube Be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the show on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can also rate and review us on many of these platforms as well. We'd love to hear from you. Send your email to the Mays Sandwich Shop inbox at joemaysandjraff at gmail.com. The Joe Mays and J-Raff Show is a part of the JMNJR Radio Network. Home to other productions, such as the Bulldog Hour, Tangents with Friends, and Nat Chats with Dad. Until next time. <laughs>